Hey everybody, welcome to the E-Commerce Edge podcast by MGR Agency. I'm your host, David Gill. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. And this week on the podcast, we are going to discuss something that has been discussed to death, but I think that most people have the wrong approach to, and that is content strategy. And what inspired me to make this week's podcast about this topic is the recent acquisition of the company by the name of Food52. Never heard of them. I actually, I mean, I'd heard of them, but I didn't follow them, didn't know too much about them. Um, But then I read up on it because they were a D2C company that sold this week that got acquired uh, by the Chernin Group, or the Chernin Group bought a majority stake in the company for $83 million at a $100 million uh, valuation, which is, you know, a very nice number that I'm sure a lot of you e-com companies out there would love to reach one day. And this is a company who did it, but they did it in a way that is unconventional and not like how most companies do it. And they used a strategy that I have advocated for over the past few years. And, you know, they've really put it to work themselves obviously being now valued at about a hundred million dollars and they started this strategy about six years ago from zero to a hundred million in six years not bad at all so what did they do well let's start with the fact that you know the days of your content strategy being a bi-weekly blog post or weekly blog post is over Okay, that used to work maybe 10 years ago when uh, there wasn't nearly as much people putting out content and there wasn't nearly as much uh, overall competition when you could rank uh, organically through SEO much easier. You still can, obviously. Uh, We still have our own SEO strategy, um, but it's not the major focus anymore because it's just too difficult, not to mention that, you know, Google fills half the search page with, with paid results these days anyways. So just opt optimizing for SEO and writing some blog posts is not a good content strategy anymore. And neither is just posting uh, a couple times a week on Instagram, a random picture. What food 52 did, and let me explain a little bit of background, because I'm sure most people have not heard of it. Um, Basically, they are a food publication, a culinary publication, whatever you want to call it, um, that makes lots of content around food and margaritas. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen other publications similar to them before. You get the idea. Um, And what they did was instead of creating a product and then trying to fill content around it to promote that product, they actually created a publication and then catered, handcrafted products that uh, fulfill the needs of their audience and match the desires of their audience and sold to them. They basically made private label products, and I think they also sold other brand partnerships too, but it it was a lot of just creating private label products that using their brand and their their media publication and, and selling it to their audience versus the other way around, which is the more common route, which is creating a product and then trying to create content to promote it. Um, why is this valuable? Well, two reasons. Number one, the biggest reason, it greatly reduces your customer acquisition cost in the long term. It's, a up, it's an upfront investment. 
obviously, when you invest in content, you're not getting uh, the instant paid performance that you kind of are used to. And it's very addicting, right? You're used to putting a dollar in and getting a certain amount of dollars out when you're doing paid ads. That's not the case with content, but it's a long-term investment. It's like, uh, you know, planting a seed and watering a tree. Yeah, the first couple years, it's just going to be a little sprout coming out of the ground. But, you know, one day it's going to be a giant, beautiful redwood standing up there that is very hard to take down and for your competition is going to be very hard to duplicate because a redwood doesn't grow overnight and neither does a loyal audience. That's the value of a publication. And the other part of it is that when you sell to your audience, they're much more loyal and your customer retention is much higher than when you acquire customers through paid sources. And this isn't to say, by the way, that uh, paid is any way bad. I mean, Food52 uses paid as well. Every company uses paid. But maybe the strategy and this is something that we consider too. Listen, we're an agency. It's a little different because we're B2B versus B2C. Um, so the strategy is a little different there. But, you know, we kind of uh, uh, do what we say. We put our money where our mouth is. We have very much increased in the past few years the amount of content that we put out. We used to be that company. We used to be the company that put out a weekly or biweekly blog post. And that was our content strategy. And I had the realization a few years ago that that just wasn't going to be enough and that the opportunity was a lot greater than just doing that. And so now we have three different podcasts. We make probably uh, three to four articles or guides every single week. We have two uh, weekly news email newsletters. You know, we've greatly increased. And, and I still want to get a lot bigger than that. But, you know, right now we obviously have to balance uh creating the content with also, uh, you know, having enough manpower to handle all of the client work that we get. So uh, we have limited resources, just like any company, I don't care how big you are. Um, but it's a strategy that works. Obviously, we've all seen companies that worked and this is a food 52 is a great example of that. And they don't make content for content's sake. I think that's the biggest problem that a lot of companies have. Whether you have a publication that is a publication that you then use to promote your own products based on the audience of publication, or you have certain products and then you try to create uh, content around those products. Both work. But a lot of time when people who are just trying to create content for their products, it's just kind of content for content's sake. Right, they're just like, oh, I gotta make some piece of content today. I haven't put anything out in, in in four days. I need to make something. What should I do? That's the wrong approach, and it's just not going to work in the hyper competitive environment we have today. Everybody and their mother wants to build an e-commerce company. It's not easy, so you can't just make content for content's sake. The best way to do it, and the way that Food Fifty Two has done it, and I'm going to talk about some other companies that have done it too, is to create the content actually as the primary value that your company offers. So you have this content that people love and you build up a loyal audience that people, uh, you know, really attach people, you get customers to really attach to their brand. And then you use your own products as a monetization strategy. And to go off on a little tangent, actually, honestly, if I were the CEO of a major uh, publication media company, I would 
because a lot of these companies are are facing the dilemma of do I do ads or I do subscriptions for monetization? And I actually wrote an article about this a while back. Uh, that was actually, our, I think it was our most read article of 2018 um, of last year, first or second. And uh, it was kind of the debate and doing a thorough analysis of seeing which is better. I actually think if I were the CEO of a major publication, I would try to move away from just subscriptions or ads. You can still have both. Obviously, you want to have a mixture of everything if you're a major publication. But I would put my primary monetization focus on actually developing products that I think would cater very well to my audience. Either that or if I don't, obviously, creating products is its own separate thing. You need to have a good understanding of production and the operations on that side and managing supply chains. So maybe a media publication that that isn't their strong suit doesn't want to get into that. But you could go to uh, companies that already up and coming uh, D2C companies that you think have a lot of potential and say, listen, we want to get an equity stake in your company. We want whatever, 30% of your company and we are going, or more maybe, it depends, and we are going to uh, very much promote your products on our site. But we want to, we think your products align. Like if I, I was thinking about this before the podcast, what's a good example? I, I read The Verge a lot, which is a tech publication. Uh, they're owned by Vox actually. But I, I read The Verge a lot. I think they write a lot of good stuff. They make a lot of great content. The Verge doesn't sell any of their own content, uh, or I'm sorry, any of their own products. They just do uh, ads mostly. And I think if I were The Verge, especially because they have a very loyal tech audience, you don't. I would create products that cater towards my tech audience. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to have The Verge brand, okay? It could be The Verge. Like in this case, Food52 uh, used their Food52 brand. Um, another great example that's pretty popular is Glossier. They had their... Um, um, publication that was into the gloss and they actually started as just a publication and then created their own product line and glossier and uh it's been wildly successful so it could be the same name or or it doesn't have to be if i'm the verge though i would create some type of product line that was tech related products accessories whatever because they also write a lot about why doesn't this product exist why uh doesn't this product have certain features they do tons of reviews on things they could easily see because they have a staff of people who deal with tech all day and say hey where are the gaps in the market where could we create products and then advertise them on our own platform that's what i would do and and i think that's you're seeing more companies do this another good example um the churning group who invested in uh food 52 also owns a major stake in barstool which is a uh sports media company uh with a very very loyal cult audience and barstool makes a lot of their money through brand partnerships so they have one with uh new amsterdam vodka where they have one of their um they have a, a popular show where they basically i think it's called whitney pink whitney is what it's called um it's basically a popular show that they have and they they made a pink whitney vodka new amsterdam partnership so you can go to the store and online and well i'm not sure online because it's alcohol but i'm sure they sell in some cases but anyways you can go to the store and it has the barstool plus new amsterdam product and they obviously sell a lot of their own merchandise if anybody remembers or knows the uh famous 
uh, Saturdays are for the boys kind of meme that was started by Barstool for the most part they popularized that and uh, they have a ton of merchandise and I'm sure they've made a ton of money from it uh, the Saturdays are for the boys they have like flags and t-shirts and all this but these are just examples of companies that use media and creating their own publications and then creating products that cater to their audience and I think the Churning Group is investing in a lot of these companies for a reason I think they're a very smart investment firm because they see that this is a avenue that takes a lot of upfront investment and time especially it's mostly time I mean obviously it costs money when you're at that scale and if you want to grow like Barstool does where they say listen we don't care about a profit right now we're just trying to get as big as possible that's fine but even at a smaller level you can do this and you don't have to necessarily invest a ton of money in getting a huge editorial team. You can just, you yourself and a few people at your company uh, create content and be very consistent and dedicated to that content and that can work too. You don't, not everybody wants to build a hundred million dollar company. That'd be great, but you know, a lot of our listeners I'm sure will be happy with a $10 million company and that can certainly be possible with content. And I mean, the fact is, and listen, we still do a ton of paid advertising and manage a ton of paid advertising for our clients. It's not a bad thing by any ways. Everything is just marketing. You have to choose the avenues you want to go down to. And obviously, the larger you get, the more avenues and channels you have the opportunity to access. Um, But paid advertising is getting more expensive because, you know, especially when you have so many VC-backed companies now where VCs are trying to invest in tons of D2C companies. And those D2C companies, you know, if you're a D2C company and you raise $30 million, you got to spend it somehow. And obviously, some of that money goes to production and operations, but a lot of it is going to advertising because when you're VC-backed, you need to grow, grow, grow very, very quickly. That's the whole reason you get VC money and that's their expectation. So if all of a sudden you have $30 million and you say, all right, well, I guess we're going to go just spend $10 million on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and whatever else ads, then that's basically going to raise the prices for everybody in the market. And you multiply that by thousands of DTC companies, and that's why you're seeing uh, paid media keep rising in prices, and it's getting more and more expensive. So how do you come up with a content strategy then, right? That's that's a big question. You say, okay, David, I see what you're saying. I, I can I can go with that. I, 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 I agree with you. What should I do? How do you go about it? I mean, first, you got to just start putting content out there and see. You have to decide. Obviously, it depends on the scale of your company. If you're just a few people, then it's going to be just somebody on the team. You're adding another uh, thing to their plate, which is just the nature of startups. But uh, if you're a larger company, then obviously you can consider bringing people in and hiring them to manage content for you and be that dedicated, that be dedicated for them to them. Um, so that's kind of something you have to decide. But as far as um, creating the content, I think depending on the vertical your company is in, you should decide on which mediums uh, apply best to you. I'll give an example in our case. We are B2B. We sell mostly to founders and executives of companies. Okay, so these are people who are most of the time very busy. They don't have a lot of time and they want to gain 
constantly new insights. That's, you know, why we call it the edge, the e-commerce edge, because our clients and potential clients are people that are looking for some type of edge. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast because you're looking for some type of edge over the competition, right? And so we try to provide content that applies to a person like that. So what do we focus on? Podcasts, Obviously, you're listening to it right now, articles and guides, you see a lot of these everywhere, we write them too, because they work and they're effective and people find a lot of value when you write a quick guide, hey, like we're going to release one very soon that is um, how to quickly and easily audit your um, Amazon listing that will increase conversions and click-through rates Uh, because it's basically our checklist that we use when we go through and audit people's uh, Amazon listings and we're just going to give it away for free um as a guide pretty soon so that's an example and but that's something that people who are in the e-commerce space and are selling on amazon are obviously going to want to have access to and then we also do newsletters we do two weekly newsletters because those uh work really great i read a lot of newsletters people who are in the uh executives and founders like to read newsletters because it's like a quick little two-minute read and it keeps you caught up on everything e-commerce so those are the things that we go after because we're in the b2b and that's who our customer is in food 52's case they're different right they're very visual right they sell food products or food uh well food products and food related products how do you create content for food when you can't taste it through the screen obviously you can see though so they focused a lot on visual mediums and everybody loves to see pictures of beautiful food because it makes you salivate right you're salivating through the screen as if it's right in front of you so where do they focus Uh, obviously they made a lot of content on their site that is very visual tons of images recipes guides uh, whatever uh, reviews of different foods and taste tests and all that stuff but they also did a ton of instagram they have 2.4 million followers on instagram they have beautiful beautiful images and uh, they do little write-ups on instagram they do great videos on instagram as well they have million i'm sorry on um, youtube as well they have millions of views on youtube um, they have kind of like mini cooking shows and reviews and again kind of similar to, in, to their website where they have how to make certain dishes and it's very visual and they do a great job of of making the food pop on the screen. They also have like 300,000 followers on Pinterest, which is a lot for Pinterest. Um, so they basically go to visual mediums because that's what applies to them. So you have to think about your customer and say, what are because it's it's hard, especially when you're starting out to focus on everything. Yes, we would love to have tons of YouTube videos and tons of podcast. Like if we, I mean, ideally down the road, the roadmap would be, you know, multiple YouTube videos a week, daily podcasts, uh, daily articles, all of that. That's the long-term goal for our B2B publication, right? I'll I'll be honest, a a company that I look at as a, a, I guess you could say, I don't know, idol, idol is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. A company that I think is doing it right in the B2B space is Bloomberg. And obviously they're massive, they're much bigger than us, but they do a great job. They have tons, they have a whole media publication and they sell ads too, but the primary goal of that whole media publication is to get people to pay the, whatever it is, $300,000 a year subscription to the Bloomberg terminal. And they also have tons of other B2B products uh, and services for major companies. And that's their whole goal. They are the experts you need to know you need any piece of specific data or any piece of insight uh bloomberg can provide it for your company right that's their their pitch 
and we're trying to do the same thing, but more on the marketing side. And I think that they're a good example. They have tons of podcasts. Obviously, they have, you know, Bloomberg Business Week, the magazine. They have, I have their app where they t- upload tons of articles a day. They have videos. They have everything, right? Obviously, they have a lot more money too. They're a much larger company, but that's kind of in on the B2B side, a company that I look to that we could potentially be one day. Maybe not to that scale, obviously, but at least um, as a good roadmap for where our content could go. And on the D2C side, you have to find companies that you think are doing it right. And maybe you don't think anybody in your category is doing it right, even better. Um, but I think Food52 is a great example of that on the uh, food side. There's lots of food companies that I know follow this, <laughs> follow us. And so that's a good example. Uh, Barstool obviously does sports. There's tons of examples out there, but really you have to think about your customer. What type of content is your customer going to like and enjoy? And that's the type of content you should be creating. Um, but yeah, and by the way, how do you get to $100 million valuation when Food52's 2018 revenues were only $30 million? I say only, but obviously uh, that's great. But compared to $100 million valuation, how, do they, uh, how does that make any sense? How did they get t- that type of multiple, especially on revenues? That's not profits, that's revenues. They only had 2.5% of their traffic being paid. That means 97 plus percent of their traffic was organic. That's the power of owning an audience, owning your own publication versus renting space on someone else's publication or platform. When you pay for an ad on Facebook, you're just renting space on the newsfeed. You don't own that space. Facebook owns that space. That's why they're worth $500 billion. And it's the same for publications, right? I talked about The Verge. They sell tons of ads on their uh, page and they own that space. They own that space. You want to own your own space. And again, loyal audience, the Chernin Group knows they've invested in a lot of these type of companies that they can give a cash influx, continue to grow the publication side, and that they can easily monetize on the back end with tons of different products and brand partnerships and maybe leverage Food52 to get equity in other major uh, food or beverage companies that then they could get equity in and advertise on Food52 and use across different investments that they have. They have tons of strategies behind this obviously that's why they're a major private equity firm but you can do this too at your own level and uh i just think that it is a great opportunity and they kind of inspired me to want to make this little rant so something to definitely think about it's something i think about a lot as far as differentiating ourselves in the marketing space um because it's you know at the end of the day you're competing even if you have a beautifully unique product you're still competing and someone can probably pretty easily copy you that's just the the age we live in so you have to differentiate yourself somehow and you have to find ways to own the customer not rent the customer and most companies are renting their customers and that's why you see them very quickly go from big valuations to small ones a good example is blue apron they went from billions to now they're worth a couple hundred million so basically all of that value is gone if you invested anywhere past their series c you totally lost money if you invested when they went public you totally lost a ton of money that's a great example so anyways guys thank you so much for listening if you did enjoy or you think you know somebody who should listen to this and you think that hey or maybe you want to send it to your co-founder or someone on your team hey listen to this let me know what you think do you think we should try a different or improved content strategy you should send it to them anyways guys thank you so much for listening i will see you next week